0: Uh, yeah, another thing the weather is actually really different here sometimes so since I've been here within the first three months I experienced um, you know I think a hurricane or a to- tornado and I drove through floodwaters which I'd never done in my life <laughs> and I have no and I think people don't usually realize this how lucky you are in England because um, obviously we always complain about the weather over there and that it sucks and so on but uh, it's quite stable weather though like you i've never felt in england that i was gonna die um from the weather but here there's been times where um like one day it was 5 p.m and this was like in the you know april may or something so obviously it was it should have been bright outside all of a sudden we get um you got these automatic alerts on your phone to say like emergency take cover or something so you just get that emergency alert and then all of a sudden it goes pitch black outside. And um, I ran to the receptionist and said, oh, my God, like, what do you do? Because it was like 5 p.m. Most people had like left. Um, and she was like, I don't know. This has never happened before. It was like, <laughs> OK, this is scary. Um, so I said my goodbyes to my family. <laughs> so I had no idea what was going to happen. And then within
1: like 10, 20 minutes it had passed. But, yeah. But, that is scary, yeah. Completely, yeah. No, actually, on the weather front, I definitely had an amazing experience. I used to have, like, a vitamin D deficiency, and I think that went away once I got to Uganda. It was, like, super hot. It was really nice. I mean, there was rainy season, but other than that, it was always really nice, warm temperatures. Um, And I have to say, yeah, I think being back in the UK now, I mean, obviously, like, COVID's COVID, but just also dealing with the weather change and everything, it's just... It's so, so different. And I realize why, like, British people, you know, always talk about the weather. It's just a thing, right? But there's not like there's no need for that to be a conversation starter or, or like, a thing that you talked about in Uganda because the weather was always really, really nice um, and just really nice and warm. I think the food was something I had to get used to, and I have to admit I probably – ended up being that person who was trying to like hunt down like her usual like cuisines. Um, but, uh, after a while I also grew to, to love the food, but it was definitely something that was very different to what I'd kind of done before. Um, I just remembered what you were saying as well about being close to New York City and how like that was kind of an amazing experience. I have to say like Uganda is incredibly beautiful. I think people always talk about like safaris and like Kenya or like Tanzania, they're more common, but it was really, really beautiful. I mean, so many like lakes, mountains. Um, Yeah, it's just very accessible, like to get to all the nearby countries very green and lush so um, there were a lot of places I was able to go and natural scenery that I was able to see that I you know wasn't getting in the UK or Europe necessarily so that was quite interesting and tried yeah hiking for the first time which was never my thing but
0: you mentioned food so I realized the food in like America or where I am anyway no offense to anyone but it sucks compared to England (laughs) like the pizzas are really good like the italian food is really good um and the american food is probably good like burgers and so on but um there's not a lot of ethnic food around yeah. <laughs> like or there is in different pockets of the u.s but it's not nothing like um london and obviously new york has more of the mix that we're probably used to but for some reason the food that is just a uh, much more expensive than it would be in london and even when you've come you know made the currency conversion so i really missed that about london
1: yeah i mean i have to say i i i'm pretty terrible because i think it was two years into being in uganda that pizza hut arrived in kfc um and let's just say I was yeah, I was there for the grand opening and like completely went so many times at the beginning before I was like this is not a healthy way to live. Um uh, but I was really excited to see things that were familiar to me. Um and yeah, just all these like massive chains kind of arrive. Not necessarily a good thing, but it just it felt it felt a bit familiar, so that was nice.
0: That would yeah, must be amazing to find um brands obviously you're familiar with um like that. Especially somewhere so so different, I think that helps.
1: Yeah, there were there's a lot of British people um, in Uganda, so there were all these shops as well that would import goods. They had a uh, they had Marmite. Um, I think they had Jaffa cakes at one point, but they were charging like ten times the price. So I would just wait until I went back to the UK and just pack my own Jaffa cake. Just a lot yes. Of, a lot <laughs> to
0: do. I came with yeah. um a. a one suitcase full of random bits of food that um, I would miss and then obviously family um, were able to send other bits I missed as well um, there is like an English shop in New York but again like you said it was like everything was six dollars so it's like six dollars for um, a pack of digestive biscuits and six dollars for um, some custard and stuff like that so it's too much so yeah, I definitely miss those brands
1: um, well, I was going to ask as well, I mean, what, what would you say were the, you know, the things that you had to do to kind of make your time really count? Like, um, you mentioned, you know, being social, but were there any particular activities that you did uh, to, you know, make new friends and form that network? So,
0: yeah, I, um, so firstly, I used um, this app called Meetup to, so they have, a, in most probably like major cities in the world um, or just you know most areas so I downloaded that Um I there were a couple of events like you know um, throughout the state I'm in so I found like girl only ones as well because um, I usually if I'm just looking for friends in particular if they have girl only events I find them like more comfortable than um, like mixed ones. I went to some of those and um, obviously there was a mix like it takes a while to really like find you know your people sometimes so um, there was a nice like local brunch group so that helped because then I got to go out and you know find new brunch places and you know eat brunch and um, You know, on the weekends, which was nice, so that was cool. And then eventually, um, I just kept going to different groups, different events. And then, you know, you have to just—I just made the effort to talk to, you know, random people, random girls attended. And then eventually met a girl that was also kind of, um, you know, on a work transfer thing here. You know, that really helped because we just, um, you know, we swapped um, numbers at the event and then I reached out to her I think just to go for a walk one day Um, and then you know we just kept meeting up for you know to visit random places and things like that and then you know now we've become good friends so I think again like I always imagine if I didn't go to that event or if I didn't reach out to her first like what would have happened so I think i'm glad that i made the effort to go and do that because that helped a lot and then i also last year i think yeah last year i discovered um bumble bff which is um like tinder for friends um Mm. and it's not as weird as it sounds so it's it's actually really good you just basically swipe you know left or right on on profiles of other people just looking for friends and um from what i've seen in this like in the us anyway so far there's like my the majority like 95 percent of the people on there are women anyway um so i mean that helps obviously I wanted female friends so um again i've been using that and found you know more people some muslims as well um because overall i haven't found a lot of muslims where or there are a lot of muslims but i just i think i did meet them at those meetup events anyway so i didn't have a lot of muslim friends around here but Um, I think the good thing is that if you have a local mosque or something I've been thinking about maybe volunteering there just to meet more people and then also you get more connected um, with the mosque too because it's really easy to fall away from that kind of stuff so mosques usually are they're very like familiar places and I think we're really lucky no matter what country we're in if you turn up at our mosque you can um, you know you'll be welcome there and you'll know you know like usually everyone's quite friendly and that kind of thing in my experience so I think that's like an option to get connected or feel like some familiarity um so that helped a lot and then um I also I love cats so I found I read this was like um totally a selfish thing but I wanted um I missed having a cat so I found out from you know just people at work that you could actually foster cats um temporarily for like a couple of weeks or a couple of months until they get adopted so um I tried that out and I've been doing that for like a year and a half um which I've really appreciated because now um you know pets help a lot I think if you feel alone sometimes so you've got um if you have a pet it makes a difference because it's someone living even though you can't have a full-on conversation with them you could try yeah. but I <laughs> yeah. mean yeah you could definitely try but yeah what about your experience of making friends
1: yeah no so I um I had a good colleague uh who and, and a friend who yeah, kind of invited me out to things, different things that were happening. Um, There was a quiz group that would meet. Um, There was like a cafe that people would go to and, you know, watch performances. So yeah, I kind of kept going to things like that. And then through that connection, meeting more friends. Um, In a way, it was strange, because I think, compiler where i was felt very small so there was the, you know certain restaurants and certain like cafes people would go to so sometimes you'd see the same faces and i think like after the fifth or sixth time that you see a person then you can actually make a conversation it doesn't seem weird it's like you know they've seen you around um so i think that was kind of uh, a bit helpful as well um and for me uh the you know the Obviously, I wanted to kind of see the country and also, you know, travel the region as well. So, you know, there was a Facebook group and there were a lot of times where somebody would be like, oh, I'm arranging this trip. And, you know, they actually the more people that go like the cheaper it is for everyone. And they would, you know, either go see, um, you know, this like waterfall or like you know some amazing view Um and generally yeah, I would try and kind of sign up to things like that to be able to see more of the country as well and eventually when I was able to make my own friends then kind of you know prepare my own trips or even do some solo trips as well um but I would say the one thing I did notice is I had a lot of time on my hands and that kind of came from you know not having obviously uh you know a a group of friends there who I've you know known for a really long time um and you know you're working but again you know other people have commitments so I think it's kind of the best time in a way to you know take on new hobbies and start any activity that you've been wanting to do I think I also I, I probably went a bit overboard when I was there but um, I tried a lot of different things just to kind of figure out what I liked um, I did self-defense classes I tried kickboxing for a bit didn't last too long but tried that out for a bit. Um, I took theatre classes, I took dance classes, I took cooking classes, um, tried learning tennis for a bit. Uh, it was also a, a good time to start learning a language. And again, I think those sorts of activities help as well because once you find um, the activity that you're passionate about or something you're interested in, you're also more likely to meet people that you can you know, be friends with because you'll sort of have that thing in common. Um, so I think, yeah, that really helped me. And it's also been nice now to, you know, to have developed some skills also uh, along the way and um, probably things that I can kind of get back into uh, being back in the UK uh, as well.
0: Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. You sounds like you picked up a lot of new skills there.
1: Oh, no. Some of them were abandoned halfway. but um, Some of them I, I definitely tried to, to, to kind of hold on to.
0: You know, living in Uganda is very um, like different um, society in terms of, you know, being raised in London. So were there any other um, kind of differences that you experienced yourself as, you know, being a British um, Somali?
1: Yes, I think so. I mean, I, I one thing that probably sticks out, um, and I don't know, maybe this isn't specific to Yanda, maybe it's any part of the world, really. But I noticed that people weren't necessarily used to the idea of someone with a dual identity in a way. Like there were, you know, uh, there's actually quite a large population of Somalis that live in Uganda. Um, So I felt like Ugandans always knew a lot about the Somali community, which was great for me because in the UK, I could say I was from Somalia and people didn't really have much to say on it. Whereas in Uganda, I thought, you know, people knew the culture, people knew like something about the food, the music. So it was quite nice. Um, But people were very... um, I think, you know, when they thought of a Somali, they would always say, oh, no, but you're not like the Somalis here, like suggesting something was different. But then also, you know, saying, oh, but I, yeah, I grew up in London. Um, you know, obviously they also have a very, you know, a unique idea of also what it means to be British. So I think just this idea that there would be a Somali British person, or I guess, yeah, somebody with a dual identity and then. In the region was maybe just a bit odd. It would always be, it would just always lead to a lot of questions. Um, and yeah, so I think that was just probably something I had to get used to. But also, what was really nice on the upside of it was, uh, and for me, I didn't realize how much this would mean to me, but it was quite nice being, obviously, you know, Uganda being an African country, kind of being in a country where. I didn't stick out like a sore thumb, and the majority of the people were black um I've not not experienced that before um it was like a really long time, so that was that was quite nice. I mean obviously people Ugandans could tell I was different again I mean they could tell I was you know from Somalia or sometimes they thought I was from Ethiopia, but um, I guess it was this solidarity thing where it was still like, oh, okay, you're East African or you're from the region. Um, So that part of it uh, was nice. Um, But I think, yeah, as soon as I opened my mouth, people would be like, oh, yeah, you're you're not like the Somalis from here. Like, where did you come from? So that was just something to get to get used to. and I would say, like, for example, like with the, the Boda Bodas that I mentioned, I think when I didn't say anything, I probably wouldn't get charged very much. But I think and I would notice that as soon as I said something, it would be like, oh, this one's come from like out there. So then immediately the prices would go up. Um, so yeah. I kind of eventually learned how to navigate that. Um as well. How did you do that? though? you just didn't speak then. When you... no, no, no. Uh, I think I picked up some uh, beginners' luganda, and uh, I also. So I think this is probably something I actually learned because, again, maybe, and I didn't realise this, but something very British that I I didn't realise I, I had, is you know, you know, British people are known for being polite and just you know kind of accommodating, and uh, I remember when I first got there you know, somebody would say, this is the price for something. And I would just take their word for it. I'd always be like, oh, okay, sure. Like, I didn't want to, you know, like disrupt anything. Um, And then I think I realized a year or two later, I kind of got argumentative a bit and would negotiate. So somebody would say something. um, Yeah, so for example, like with the the boda boda situations, you know, somebody would quote a price. And then I'd be like, no, it's this price. You know, once I was familiar with how things were charged over there. And if they said no... I'd kind of walk away and you know really I'm not walking away it's just more pretending that I'm walking away and hopefully they'll be like oh okay no no stop we'll we'll go ahead and that was something that I never did when I first arrived in the country but eventually felt like was a survival skill that I needed to develop so that was me becoming a bit more edgy. My
0: my mum's really good at doing that no matter what whenever we go on holiday even if she's in the UK probably um she would she does that trick as well um and sometimes I hate it because I'm just like can we just pay and leave because
1: it's so yeah.
0: awkward um but yeah that's really good skill though now again yeah you
1: know, I was exactly the same I felt really uncomfortable and awkward but eventually I was like wait I live here I can't like survive like paying twice or three times the amount <laughs> everybody else does so I'm just gonna have to yeah you know live in the uncomfortableness of it all. Yeah, and I think the other thing I noticed, I mean, again, every you know, obviously everyone's different, but with the Ugandans, there was always a lot of banter, and you know, even if someone was like, "No, there's no way I'm going to accept that price," it wasn't, you know, it, there was just a bit of banter, and it was either accepted or not. So it felt very safe and comfortable to do that once, you know, you you were able to kind of get used to it. So, yeah, it was it was just kind of part of the the process I think and part of the fun in a way so yeah hopefully I'm a bit better at negotiating now
0: yeah I'm sure um um, but that's still a skill anyway that I need to pick up um that'd be useful you can give me some tips
1: yeah and I mean were there was there anything that you noticed like cult grave you know great cultural differences between the US and the UK um or yeah any just new different things that you noticed being there um so I,
0: I think so. I live in um, New Jersey and I didn't really um, I probably didn't research it enough, really. I thought most of America's going to be the same. Um, and it wasn't like I'm in I'm not in some mid, you know, Western state in the middle of nowhere or anything. Um, so I thought it'd be the same. But I mean, yeah, luckily um, it was. So it's very multicultural. Um you know, here there's lots of people from you know different um, countries all over the world. And most people in the US are immigrants anyway, um, so obviously I had a lot in common with them, I think. Mm-hmm. And when I first, you know, moved over and landed in the airport, um, I think there was an Air India flight that had just landed just before mine. So when I was queuing up. All I could see, I couldn't see any white people anywhere. There was just um, Indians everywhere, which I was like, this is great. I'm like, now this is like my people. I feel so comfortable here. It's going to be fine. Um, And yeah, that was kind of the reality within the state. Obviously, it's a bit more mixed, but there is a huge... um, like South Asian population here so there were some you know I could find um you know I didn't stick out too much there's even so see I wear um a headscarf and there have there are other Muslims that wear headscarves around that I've seen so that helped a lot again just to feel comfortable um And where I work as well, it's quite a, because I work in like a scientific field, everyone's quite well educated. So usually those, you know, people are really like friendly and kind and don't really, you know, have many prejudices or anything. So my workplace is totally fine. Um, And, you know, that might not be the case for everyone, depending on what field they're in. But I guess um, it also really depends on location. But luckily, I think overall I've been okay um in terms of like meeting people from different backgrounds yeah um you know was there anything funny that happened or any like major cultural differences that led to any kind of um language barriers or um like funny stories anything that happened while you were living abroad
1: um no so luckily no language barriers I think um I mean so in Uganda yeah pretty much everybody speaks English so actually like I think well over 100 languages that are spoken there so there's also a lot of Ugandans who if they're communicating to another Ugandan from like another part of the country like English will be the language that they use to communicate so that was never uh, an issue Um, but I think it was more I guess the way um. Yeah, that people said things. So I, like, one thing I remember noticing is like, uh, you know, good friends or colleagues would say sorry quite a lot, and it wasn't. I realized it wasn't, you know, like they were apologizing for anything. But I think if somebody was telling something quite sad or um, you know, something bad that happened or like a misfortune or something, you know, that's quite negative. They would always say sorry, which confused me at the beginning because it would be like, well, no, you didn't have anything to do with it. But I realized eventually it was kind of like a a way of expressing empathy and, you know, being like, you know, oh, I'm, you know, I'm with you and I'm sorry that that kind of happened to you. Um, But yeah, I remember that was kind of something where I was like, oh, um, that that's interesting. Um, I also remember people would always say banange quite a lot, which is like, you know, oh, my God. And depending on the tone, it would depend on, you know, for example, if it was shocking, you'd get like a banange, And, you know, if it was really sad, it'd be like, oh, banange. So it was like a tonal thing and then like figuring out what context that was being used in. Um, it kind of mentioned the negotiating thing. So there's always a little bit of banter, I think, when, you know, trying to buy something at a shop or, you know, when trying to negotiate for transport. Um, but uh, I do also remember, I think, the other thing that maybe in my mind was like, oh, my God, I'm so British about this as well. And this is also something I need to get better at Um I do remember one of my colleagues, like I went away for about three months and then I'd come back. And then when she saw me, she was just like, oh, my God, you got fat. (laughs) and I remember just being like oh okay and immediately I just was like oh shit you know like shoot how much have I eaten like how big am I and that kind of thing and she just kept repeating it she was just like oh my god you got really really big like what happened is this because of happiness is this because of sadness or things like that and I just remember for me it was just a shock to the system where I thought it was, you know I would automatically think that was a really rude thing to say but I think eventually I realised over time Time, it's not like that at all like sometimes actually people will comment on the fact that you've gained weight because it could be a good thing other times it's just the fact that you know that they've noticed something about you and they're just communicating it to you like there's no other reason behind it so uh yeah I think now it's definitely something where I've um gotten you know a lot like a lot more tougher skin because it just happened quite a lot more and I realized the intention isn't what you would think for example, if you're in the UK. Um, and then I think another thing, yeah, like I mentioned with the accent, sometimes would happen is people just calling me mzungu, which was always a bit confusing to me because it's um, some people think it means white and other people think it's foreigner. And I was like, if it's foreigner, then that's okay. But um, hopefully it's not the other thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that would
0: yeah. be a bit odd. Um, yeah. Let's go, let's assume foreigner.
1: yeah. <laughs> I guess the one thing I did, I was curious about is, I mean, you mentioned like all these great like adventures and all these exciting things that happened while you were abroad. But I guess, you know, on looking at the other side of it, um, when you think about, you know, the UK and your friends and family back there, did you feel a sense of, you know, that you were losing the connection there at all? Um, were you still able to maintain contact with, you know, loved ones back home?
0: I think I'm sure everyone's found this over the past year, but, um, you know, during the pandemic, but I think the fact that video calls exist is really, really helpful, which I didn't realise before. Um, so that just it makes such a difference to physically, you know, see someone, maybe not in person, but you get to see, um, you know, people's faces and reactions and all that kind of stuff. So that help so i every you know um, because of the time difference i just call home you know people catch up with those in england every weekend usually so i mean that's a great thing too because then i'll have lots of people every weekend that i need to catch up with so scheduling different people which is fun um so i think that that really helped just to keep in touch with people and probably um it probably helped improve you know my relationship as well with lots of people because then you if like with your family usually if they're in your house you don't really um you might not sit there for an hour and catch up with them right because you just see them all the time you think i don't know may not have like you know catch up on everything whereas now because obviously i'm not physically there and you don't know how someone's week has been and all these kind of things are happening so then on the weekend then you catch up on everything so and then again it's like it's you know a foreign country still so I think for me visiting you know mosques sometimes help because it's something familiar even though obviously the people aren't but um obviously the prayers are familiar so that I think that's really helped but obviously with the pandemic then all the mosques closed so um that was tough but then by that time I had had some friends so then I you know was out exploring different things anyway so um you know it wasn't Thank God it wasn't too bad. And what about you? For What kind of um, techniques did you use to kind of combat um, just like any homesickness?
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, I think it was, I mean, I, I always made it a, a plan to fly back once a year at least. I think there was one year where I came back twice. Um, also, my parents came out to see me as well. Um, and then sometimes meeting somewhere in the middle, Uh, as well like if I couldn't make it all the way back to the UK or if they couldn't come see me Um, and I think with friends yeah it was probably you know whenever I knew in advance that I was going to be around for like two weeks or something you know making plans to kind of see them um, a few different times and I think there were quite a few times I also arranged some calls as well Um, but I would say yeah, it's probably like quality over quantity maybe there weren't that many interactions but what was nice was because it was you know fewer interactions than before whenever I did catch up uh, with people it just felt you know there was a lot more time and you know there was so much more to catch up on and there's like a lot more deeper conversations as well so it was harder uh, obviously when with time passing and not getting to see them as regularly but I just felt like yeah connections got a lot deeper because yeah we really made the most of it the few times we did see each other yeah um and I guess I mean you t- you touched on going to mosque and you know that also helping you feel you know close to something familiar um but yeah just maybe to find out a bit more about that what was it like uh, interacting with other Muslims in the US
0: so I think yeah I'm sure this might not be the experience for everyone and um probably doesn't reflect all the Muslims obviously in the US because it's huge. Um but I found it quite a big difference finding Muslims here or just kind of meeting them and that kind of thing. Um so it's I think I just realised how huge the community is and how diverse it is in people's, you know, the way people practice um and things. So, you know, um I had I you know you can meet people that um maybe weren't as practising, for example. So they, I met a lot of Muslims that were drinking or had used to drink or that were dating or used to date a lot, um, and that was a really common thing that I experienced. So, and obviously that's quite different. And I know lots of people, you know, lots of Muslims in the UK probably do that too. Um, I think I just obviously had a really strong um, Muslim friend group from. Um, you know, for like university and things, and I was around to most Muslims that were similar to me. So I think maybe coming here that was a big change, and I just haven't met. I mean, I'm I know they're around because like obviously there's huge conventions that they have here and lots of um, but it just happened to be that I just haven't met um people that are my age that are similar. Um, but I think things like podcasts and um you know obviously online like videos Islamic videos things like that helped just to kind of because sometimes I think you feel a bit alien that like you know that you're like no one else around my age is practicing (laughs) what is happening um so that was really difficult but I think obviously now I'm finding all these different resources, and it's one of the reasons anyway where we're doing this podcast, that kind of thing. So that's those little things have helped, and now I feel like I'm in a much better groove now because I've found um, like resources that are you know um, that are kind of I identify with anyway. But what about in Uganda? You said that there were there are some Muslims there.
1: Yeah, so I think there's. I think the population is like 20, 30% Muslim. Um, And then, yeah, again, I think with some friends I made, they um – they were Muslim as well as like some of my colleagues as well. I think, yeah, again, the the challenge was honestly a lot of people having, you know, their own families and basically having a life, whereas I was just trying to to kind of make one. Um, but, yeah, I think in terms of like when I was out socially and trying to meet people, I would say then it would probably predominantly be. I guess yeah it was again I was meeting a lot of internationals because there was like a lot of people that were coming from Europe or the US or Asia um so I think there were a lot of internationals as well and unfortunately I didn't meet a lot of Muslims in those groups um I do by chance like I think it was like my third year there that finally a friend uh like managed to like put me in touch with another Somali girl who's actually coming from the Netherlands and that was yeah like the It was kind of a double whammy because I got to meet another Somali Muslim girl and she became one of my really, really good friends. But um, otherwise, I would say like just when it came to, yeah, I guess doing social events and that kind of thing. I didn't get to. Yeah, I didn't really get the opportunity to meet as many Muslims uh, as I would have liked. So um, I think, yeah, that's just definitely something I wish there was more of, I think um just generally maybe it is something that tends to happen anyway that when you move to a new country you end up meeting um quite a lot of other foreigners as well and it just I wasn't really meeting I guess people with my profile a lot of uh British people or a lot of Somali people or a lot of Muslims so yeah that was sadly yeah that wasn't that wasn't the case
0: Mm, yeah I think it can be tough you kind of almost have to make sure you you go in there almost with the kind of plan as well of how you know if you want to keep um consistent with certain things or things like that um you have to have a plan of how you're going to do that
1: mm-hmm. if if you can or be able to adapt um I was yeah I was going to say though um did you have any experiences uh, dating in the US?
0: <laughs> um, yeah i mean those were my experiences unfortunately so um obviously we'll that's like a huge topic to discuss right but yeah i think that's um a a mixed area obviously the u.s is huge so um there's going to be all sorts of people here um so that is still an ongoing
1: endeavor (laughs) to be continued cool um and yeah what would you say I mean final words on moving abroad do you regret it was it a good thing
0: um no definitely I mean I I think it's been really refreshing it's been really nice to see I'm still exploring all these new places around um loads to see obviously um I think it's been you know really good experience um overall you obviously learn to be way more independent and learn to you know how to do things yourself all these like things um yeah all these little things that you might take for granted before you kind of like learn how to do um and learn how to like be um you know happy within within your own company too which is i think obviously really good life skill to have so you're almost you know not dependent on someone else you know you can do things yourself too which is really um, empowering i think Mm -hmm. um so yeah and i'm still here so still really enjoying it um and obviously you can miss you know family and you know friends um but again like we said I think you just have to get out there make the effort and you never know until you kind of try it so yeah it's really been I think a good experience overall and yeah what about what about you
1: yeah no no I, I completely agree I mean I think it's definitely challenging um and yeah there'll be ups and downs and there's a whole lot of new things that you'll learn about yourself but um yeah I think it's it's honestly one of the most exciting things that you can do and it is a great way to kind of get to know what you know what's important to you and I don't know like I felt like it was a quick first track way into adulthood so yeah completely no regrets and uh yeah I think it's really I I did it in my 20s and I think you know it doesn't matter honestly when you do it but when you have got the time and Um, you know you want to try something else whether it's you know for work or whether it's to travel or experience new cultures and so on I really think it's yeah one of the best ways that you can learn yeah not just about yourself but about other cultures and the world generally as well so thanks to all our listeners and we really hope that this has given you the inspiration um, and insight into what it's like to you know moving abroad Uh, and maybe means that you'd want to do it yourself. And yeah, do let us know if there are any specific topics related to moving abroad that we can always discuss in a future episode.